The opinions expressed on That's a Foul do not reflect the view of any organization to which the host or guest are affiliated or employed. Welcome to That's a Foul. In today's show, we pick up our conversation from episode 4 with Lavon Dermengian. If you haven't listened to that yet, you might want to go back and check that out after listening to this one. In part 2 today... Lavon really leans into his leadership approach and talks about the mentors who helped him. He also shares advice for referees when things go sideways. And he closes out quarter three with an amazing story from a game he did 2012. You're not going to want to miss that one. Part two of this two-part conversation starts right now. Sports are an integral part of my life, specifically officiating. I've met a lot of interesting people on deck and on the sidelines. From referees to evaluators, coaches to administrators, and players to fans, each one has a story to tell, and that's a foul podcast is the place to tell it. Each episode, we'll dive into personal and professional lives to see what they can share to make us all a little better tomorrow. I'm Chad Packer, and this is That's a Foul. In, in thinking about water polo, let's say, uh, just kind of transitioning to that, what, what are some of – so you, you, you've got a really unique perspective now because you've got this super global 50,000-foot view of everything as, as the national referee manager for USA Water Polo. What are some challenges that referees face on deck in thinking about brand-new referees, referees who have some skills but maybe not – a ton of access, but maybe a really high ceiling and then like high level referees. I just think, I think it's interesting for you to tell your story about, you know, like travel and things like that. Uh, For sure. Number one, top of the list uh, that comes to mind is the uh, coach referee relationship and the deck decorum. Uh, It's certainly a challenge for the new referees and um, it's tough. You know, it's, being a new referee and you go on deck and the first thing you run into is the hostility, um, the yelling, the displeasure of the coaches, the fans. It's a lot to take in. Um, so, and I think it's not unique to just water polo, right? I think we, we see this all across the country and other youth sports where uh, it's, it's difficult to be an official and it's getting more and more difficult. Um, so I think that is the number one challenge for us is to, for, for, especially for the new referees is to make sure that when they get on the deck, not only are they prepared to get on deck, but uh, they could handle um, a tough situation uh, when it comes to the coaches, the, the spectators, I would say that's the number one for, I think, uh, newer referees. And I think also another challenge for them is to just stay with it, right? I think sometimes when new referees get on the pool deck, it's not what they uh, imagined it to be. And a lot of times a little bit of frustration about certain things. Let's say they're, they're late on a particular call. They'll see it. It's really hard to, when you're a first referee, to see a play. You know you get what you just saw. But by the time it registers in your brain and it comes out through the whistle, the, the opportunity has gone. And now you're starting to miss calls and, uh, and it's not, it becomes, you know, it's, it doesn't become too fun. So uh, for new referees to stick with it, to really, to really improve and to get better, 
it's a, it's a challenge. And, uh, you know, we see that uh, a lot of times for the new referees. So I would say that's those two are pretty key for the new referees. For the middle of the road and uh, the upper level, let's take the middle of the road referee. I think the, the challenge of the middle of the road referee is to get the opportunities to be seen and to move up in the ranks, I think is probably – um, what I what I gather the most from our middle of the road referees is, you know, you're trying to go from a level one to a two. You've been, let's say, a, a level one for a little while, then maybe a couple of years. You want to go to a two or you've been a two for a while and you're trying to go to a three. Um, trying to rank up, I'd say, is the number one um, concern in that, in that sense. But uh, uh, in there, with that, I would say just taking every opportunity you can get, um, do things like um, – Going to some of these national tournaments, we do ODP championships is uh, or the ODP it's, itself, whether it's the Western and Eastern regionals and then the championships, I think this is your best bet and opportunity to be seen by myself and Tiffany and then also get great feedback from the evaluators that are there usually. Um, but then also making sure that you um, go out to JOs, uh, just being active as much as possible and getting as much, many games under your belt as possible. I'd say um, that is the key for those referees. And just continue to educate yourself. Watch YouTube, watch other high-level referees uh, working games. And then for your high-level referees, um, nothing really jumps out of me of challenges for the high-level referees. I would say one of the things like uh, as a referee that I've been around for a while, uh, one of the things that concern me is trying to keep up my level of game and then to um, you know, you, when you get to a high level referee, you've usually made a name for yourself, right? Of why you are where you are. And a lot of people, uh, when you get on the pool deck, they expect you to call a certain game that is very black and white, that is very fair, that they can understand. Uh, and the challenge is to always keep your game at that level because you don't want to lose your standing. Um, and I think that's, it's one of those keys for the higher level referees too. So sorry for the long answer, but, uh, Oh, it's a three-part question. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're in a game and and you do kind of start to feel either yourself losing it or the game just kind of feels the like what what's a what's a best practice you use to get yourself back on track or maybe the game back on track? Like a quick, you know, kind of like a tip that maybe a referee again. We're just two refs talking between games right now. Right. I, I think more times than not, it's usually the referees experience the game getting away from them and it has to do with the physicality of the game. And they're trying to, you know, reel it back in. Uh, for that, I would say, first things first, I, I, I would talk to my partner uh, whenever I get a chance to make sure that we're on the same page, that we see what we're seeing. I remember specifically, uh, one of the things that I like to do, you know, let's say in a collegiate game, when I'm working with another, um, with my partner, if I sense that uh, the game, the emotions of the game are rising, if I have an opportunity, I'll talk to my partner and say, hey, look, have you noticed the fouls and things, the motions are getting, it's getting more heated. So we got to, you know, we got to really stay on top of it. Just so you want to be ahead of it, right? Uh, in case you're not ahead of it and things start going sideways, yeah, you have to start making calls. One of the things that I always do, I default to, is start making calls quicker. You know, the easiest way to de-escalate physicality is to call quicker fouls. You're not making up fouls. The fouls are there. You're just choosing to call them sooner so that you can minimize the contact. 
Uh, and that's the easy, easiest way to do that is the perimeter, right? You just contact, the ball's out of the hand. Okay, quick ordinaries. Um, and, I, and I think in general, referees, I would say, um, are not doing that enough for us, for USA Water Polo. I think there's just still way too many times where we see players earning fouls two, three, four times before whistle comes. And that just increases the physicality. There's no need, especially if it's the perimeter, right? You're, you're seven, eight meters away from the cage. There's no reason why a player has to earn the foul two, three, four times for it to be a foul. So I, I think just making sure you're on top of the physicality with quicker calls and just anything remotely close that has to do with player safety, make sure you, you, you jump on top of it. Um, and lastly, one of the things I like to do if I feel the game going sideways on me is I love calling in the captains. You call in the captains. Uh, I like talking to them and saying, hey, look, you know, you guys are not playing water polo. Uh, we're going to have to start either misconducting everyone that is playing outside of the spirit of the rules or we're going to uh, abandon this game. Usually that works really well. They go back, let's say if it was a timeout, they go back during the timeout and say, hey guys, they're, they're going to call a game if we don't start playing water polo. And usually you'll see that escalating. So you'll see the uh, physical escalating and then with me then just keeping up with that quicker, those quicker fouls, usually I can salvage a game um, that's gone sideways. What if your nerves are starting to get you? Do you have any tips or tricks that you would give a referee to kind of recenter? You know, I just, for me, I, I just try to try to say, hey, look, if I'm having a bad game, hey, I'm really stinking up the joint here. I got to, I just try to just mentally refocus on what is it that I'm not doing correctly here. And it could be my timing, right? My timing could be just so off and try to focus in on what I could do to help turn this around. Um, I would say the last thing I try to do is throw fuel on the fire, right? So let's say if you are having a terrible game and, you know, you're trying to refocus and, you know, coach is giving it to you a little bit because you are having a terrible game. The last thing you want to do is make it worse, right? This is one of those times where you probably can go, okay, you know, I could, I all, my level of acceptance of criticism from the coach, I could expand it just a little bit because, you know, I kind of deserve it right now, you know? Sure. Um, so. Uh, I, I think just trying to focus in on what you may be lacking in that moment and trying to talk to your partner. Uh, maybe, you know, you can see where your partner's at and uh, what your partner has to say. Um, you know, a lot of times if I remember when I was having poor games, I would, sometimes I would apologize to my partner and say, Hey, look, I just, I know that call was just awful or whatever. You know, I'm trying to, I'll, I'll try to get, better in this next quarter so maybe talk to your partner and see if you could uh get some get some uh, inspiration from your partner <laughs> see if that works <laughs> you know a lot of times we get fans that will ask us or maybe even players and coaches what's the biggest challenge to refereeing how do you respond to that question so if they ask me of what if what it feels like to be a referee like if they were yeah just kind of like a what's a challenge you had no idea existed well, I think the first things when I do get that asked that question a lot, not only from fans, but I'll get it from let's say uh, table staff workers. Right, a lot of times I, I love having conversation with our table staff, just because you want to have a good relationship, right? They're usually your only friends on the pool deck, and so many times I do get that question. It's like, oh, how do you like being a referee, or what is what are the things, um, what are the challenges of being a referee? 
the, the biggest the ch challenge is the challenge itself of being a referee in water polo. That's what I love the most is the challenge of, of the game and the difficulty of the game. If this was easy, if, you know, I don't know how interested I would be in doing this. So, but there, you know, the challenge is, is not only do you want to have the spirit of the rules in, uh, applied, um, but you also want to have the the players safe, um, and you want to have a outcome of the game that is a decent outcome. So you know the team usually who is playing better. If you do your job properly, usually the outcome is that the team who's playing better is going to win. And if the players are safe, um, I think that's uh, that's key. So I'd say those the challenge between those two is. Um, is the most important is safety and um, players who are deserving of winning the game win. What are some things that you're trying to be very intentional about as you mentor all the referees through your role, but even just the referees with whom you have a, a personal relationship? Like what are a couple of things you're, you're trying to be intentional about in your leadership and mentorship? I'd say 100% number one is uh, the player safety aspect. I still don't fully believe that fully referees have grasped the player safety component of water polo. I think, and I didn't fully grasp it as well for a while because I was, I came up in the sport where the, the aggression, the toughness of water polo is what I just loved. Right. I, I was, I was a five foot seven, a two meter player for, for four years, right? I, I had no business being, uh, but I loved, I enjoyed the contact, the physicality. And for me, it, it just took so long to, to distinguish between good physical play and play that will lead to injury and player safety. And so I, I think uh, that is the biggest challenge. So general philosophy of the game for me is still to get referees to understand that it's a delicate balance. There's, and in our, in our school, in our referee school, we, we mentioned that it's an art. It's an art to be able to distinguish between good physical play and over-aggressive play. We need to separate those two. I don't think that we are doing as good of a job as we could on that. We're just trying to, you know, try to keep the message going because again, water polo stops when, there are youth kids that are playing that get are getting injured. It just it just can't be that way. We can't use advantage as an excuse, or we can't use that this sport is a very you know aggressive sport. That's it's a very tough sport, so it's going to happen. You know, we just we just can't use that excuse. Uh, I would say that would be number one key for me, and uh, another key for me, another philosophy that I'm trying to hammer as much as possible is we want to be offensive minded and we want to make the calls for the offense. The game still currently in its form is undercalled. And I've said this just countless times. And one of the times that I remember the most is when we had our JOs, when we started the JOs, we, you know, we had our pre JOs meeting and we made sure to tell everybody, Hey, look, we got to make the calls. We got to make calls. We can't just, you know, we can't let, you know, the, the game go on and then um, the physicality arise. We got to stay on top of it. And then I go out and I watch 12 and unders and 10 and unders. And I just see them just getting hammered with no calls. And we're talking about tens and twelves, <laughs> right, but an right. easy, ordinary foul would have just solved so many issues. And so 
so the the technical aspect of the game, the way the game, even Fina, Fina used to be the, you know what, you can get the crap beaten out of you and, you know, it wouldn't be until blood until a call was made, right? But they've gone to a technical game as well, right? So they're, they're calling more of the impeding, uh, the fouling on the perimeter, the heavy fouls. There's more calls made. Uh, that's the, that's the, that's the direction of sport is going. That is the intent. And so the philosophy I'm trying to get referees to understand, especially our new referees is that you got to be involved. You got to make more calls and you got to, in your mind, have it that it is, if all else is equal, you got to be offensive minded. We have to reward offense. I kid you not. I just, just so many times I'll be evaluating a game and a player will make a great move. will get hammered or whatever contact, which is illegal. They drop the ball and no call. And when I asked the referee, Hey, why is it that you made a no call in that situation? And Every time I kid you not, I get a response of, well, I don't think the offense did this, or I don't think the offense intended to really shoot in that situation. I think they just intended to. So there's always some kind of excuse not to make the call. And I'm trying to get referees to understand is that that is not our job. Our job is not to talk ourselves out of why we're not rewarding the offense. We should be focusing on what defense is doing wrong and why we should be awarding the offense. So I'd say those two are the biggest uh, keys in the philosophy of the game that I'm trying to pass on to the referees. I've watched you watch referees and coach referees, evaluate referees, whatever the phrase is at at some of the events that, that we've been at together. When you pull a referee aside between quarters or at half, what are you trying to do given that that's a super finite amount of time? Yeah. Uh, well, I think first things first is I am not a big fan of that. <laughs> I, 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 I really believe that um, in, in a perfect situation, the referee would just referee a game. And then at the end you would give a evaluation because you don't want them to, you know, you never know what happens, right? You don't want them to go sideways on you. And, uh, and next, thing you know, you derail their, their game. But I think, in special circumstances like your ODPs, your championships, right, right. West and East, the intent is to make referees better. And so, unfortunately, if we waited till the end of the game, too many times they would have no clue of what we're talking about because there's no way they're going to remember what happened in that first quarter. <laughs> so I, I think my approach to that and the approach that uh, the evaluators take is that we try to guide and help as opposed to being critical, um, you know, we'll point out some things like, Hey, you know, you might want to watch out for this, right? The player turned inside water, took a little bit of contact. Maybe you should think about, you know, instead of an ordinary, think about uh, to restore that advantage, maybe an exclusion next time. So being more uh, encouraging as opposed to being um yeah, more critical, I think that's key. And then after the game, you could be critical if there's, you know, if there is need to be, but um, I, I think just the education portion portion of getting them to learn and be better is, is the most important for me at that time in between quarters and timeouts. You got time for a couple more? Absolutely. I know. Best advice you've ever received on deck and just a couple of mentors that have really, really helped you along your way. The best advice that I give is, and I love it because I would always I would listen to something and then I would um, 
I really focus in on that particular, let's say, message or style from that particular referee or evaluator. But, and I, I just don't remember who it was. And it probably could have been um, Jim Cullingham who said this to me because I, I just, I take so much from Jim as one of my, uh, my mentors um, that you just, you know, you'll hear many different viewpoints, many different opinions. And that's the beauty of a sport is that we have different philosophies, right? You know, if you go from referee to referee, evaluator from referee, there's always different philosophies. And uh, the best advice that I got was just take a little bit from everybody. If it makes sense to you, fit it into your game, and then you create your own your own game. You create your own image as a referee. So don't just try to don't try to be this referee or that referee. Be your own referee. Take a little bit from everybody. Create your own thing and um, and create that identity for yourself. And that really really helped me out because then you know I thought you know what. Uh, it looks like I have the talent. I feel like I have the talent, and uh, now I just have to make myself make my style and make sure that I'm consistent with my style um so that's one of the things I really enjoy Jim Cullingham uh, I would say is number one uh for uh, for mentors um Terry Searing did so much for me uh in my career I'm so thankful I, as a young referee I remember um I was in my early 20s um he he gave me opportunities at that time he was uh the the supervisor officials for the MPSF conference, which is the highest conference in our country. And he took a shot at me, um, which, and gave me probably some games that I probably had no business doing, but he had faith in me and gave me um, a lot of advice, a lot of uh, words of encouragement. Um, he was, uh, he was great. And then, yeah, just, there's just so many people along the way. Um, but those two definitely stick out. You know, I think a place for, referees outside of California to really develop and get those relationships and have that sort of mentoring is at the ODP events. Uh, I absolutely love those things. I uh, had a chance to go out to California a couple of times and then the, the regional events now like Greensboro, those are just so much fun. And I, I think what is my favorite part is just the camaraderie between the referees, you know, where we're just out there trying to get better and, again, developing those uh, mentoring relationships and, and getting advice from uh, certainly some of the best referees domestically, if not in the world. And we really appreciate you, Chad. I know this last time we, we used you at a lower division to be like an anchor for us, which you did fantastic. You know, you had younger referees in that age group and uh, you held it all together for us. Um, so we really, really appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, Greensboro is just so much fun. I just, I think just in general, ODP is, is a, just a fun atmosphere. Um, you know, you get, when you get teams and players from all over the place uh, together and they're competing. There's just a special feeling in the air, you know, just like, just like JOs, everybody comes from everywhere. So, um, you know, it's, it's great. So I'm, I'm glad you liked it and uh, I'm sure we'll see you more. Oh, for sure. For sure. Without a doubt, some of the most impactful opportunities I've had uh, to referee have come at ODP events. So any referee listening out there, I would certainly encourage you to take advantage of that. If if given the chance. So, you know, as we talked, the vibe of this podcast is really, you know, just 
a couple of guys and gals sitting down in between games. That, that's all this is. I mean, this is, this is just referees right. talking, you know, or coaches. I, I think coaches have got good stories too. But what's the scariest game you've ever refereed, which is to say, you know, like the one where you sit down afterwards and you kind of aren't even really sure what time it is or where you are or anything. I mean, do you have, do you have one of those? Something just popped into your head that made you think, ooh, I remember that one. Or Yes, without a doubt. The scariest for me was when Croatia came into town uh, before the 2012 Olympics. And I was asked to ref. Um, and in 2012, I was still, uh, I was a collegiate referee, but I was still trying to come up through the ranks, collegiate ranks. Uh, I was doing MPSF at the time, but I wouldn't say I was, um, you know, one of the referees who were doing, the, you know, the main games or the, the top level games in MPSF. So I was still trying to get my – I was still getting my feet wet, but I was asked to do Croatia men versus United States men at the Rose Bowl, which is my hometown of Pasadena, in front of 2,000 fans. <laughs> so not only was – so the stadium of Rose Bowl was filled, but they built more uh, stands behind it. And then they also built on the other side as well, which they hadn't, but there's never any seats there, but they built seats. So this place was jam packed right before the Olympics. So I'm, I'm pretty terrified. I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty confident, but not only, you know, I, I was pretty confident in that I would be able to whistle a decent game that is a fair game. And that's always a challenge, right? I think, you know, when when teams, whether we travel to another country or when a team travels to us, there's always this political kind of game, right? Of you know, you're they think that us as American referees might not call a fair game, but you are trying to call a fair game. But you have to realize and acknowledge that there is that that perception out there that you are not going to be calling a fair game, and. Um, but I was pretty, I was pretty certain that I could balance that and call a decent game. But I think one of the things that you, you're really concerned about is, is the player safety issue, right? Here it is, you know, a few months, maybe I think maybe like two months, three months max before the, uh, before the Olympics. The last thing you would want to do is have an injury from either side that would not allow a player to go to the Olympics, right? And so I remember that that was clear in my head. It's like, okay, nobody can get injured in this game. Just nobody can get injured in this game. And then you combine that with so many people in the crowd. I remember my old high school coach was there. My uh, At the time, I was a pool manager, my supervisor with the city of Pasadena, and uh, members of the city of Pasadena <laughs> uh, board were there. Uh, I remember the mayor was there. I just, it was so many people that I knew. Um, it was pretty, and I was, I would say that would be the most scariest for sure. God, I know my heart's racing now. Luckily, everything <laughs> went well. Uh, and, and, the, and the U.S. men won. So that was, that was nice. Trying to end on some, on, on some rapid fire questions here. Um, so we're going to, we're going to throw them at you real fast. You can, (laughs) some of them are silly, some of them aren't, but it's just kind of a fun way to end the, end the show and end on a good note. Again, this is all about personality. So are you ready? Yeah. For the rapid fire. Here we go. (laughs) 
favorite pool to referee a game? Stanford. Are you uh, chocolate ice cream, vanilla, or something else? Um, vanilla. Any toppings on that? Or? Uh, yeah, well, between chocolate and vanilla, it's vanilla. But if I had my choice of any, it would be mint chip, and specifically thrifties, if that's possible. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> most games you've ever refereed in one day? Twelve. What were the six, seven-minute quarters? Uh, it, it actually, if you have a quick minute, it's an interesting story. I was a new referee. It was Orange County, 105-degree like, heat oh in Orange God. County. It was 1,800 boys. I was the, my partner and I were scheduled to do 12 games in a row on the hour. 1,800 boys. And this was top-level boys. Uh, my partner doesn't show up. I did 12 1,800 boys games in a row, seven-minute quarters in like 105-degree heat. I will never forget that. It was oh awful. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, are you a dog or a cat person? Dog. Do you have a dog? Yes. What kind uh, of dog are you? A chihuahua. Oh, nice. <laughs> Do you have a nickname? Uh, peep, I don't, but people sometimes shorten my name to Lev. They just say L-E-V. Nice. What's your favorite power tool in your garage? You talked about being a mechanic. Favorite power tool. I just got a Makita XDT16. I think it is. It's the newest uh, impact uh, impact wrench. Uh, and I've been just going to town. I, I love that thing. My goodness. Um, that's my new favorite tool for sure. Dig it. What are your thoughts on breakfast for dinner? Uh, why not? I The McDonald's uh, all, all day breakfast is fantastic to get mcgriddle at 9 10 p.m awesome why not favorite movie genre uh comedy got any favorite movies my favorite movie of all time i think is it's pretty common i think but it's just i just you can't get better it's, um, is scarface for oh. me it's just it has everything in a movie that i could ever want it's just i just it's just something else for me i just i enjoyed so much thanks so uh, off the grill here, are you talking hamburgers or hot dogs? Hamburgers, yeah. Do you ride roller coasters? I did. I haven't in a long time, but I, I, I certainly enjoyed it. That's for sure. Best Halloween costume you've ever worn. Go way, way, way back here if you need to. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I, I remember Superman um, for sure. Uh, I was never really, I don't think I was creative. I, I think I was just, um, you know, superheroes. <laughs> I think it was my thing. So I would probably say Superman. Final question. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, whom would you choose? Ooh, that is good. You know, I've never thought of that. Boy, I would say, oh boy. <laughs> I would probably say Ronald Reagan. All right, dude. Ronald Reagan, the Gipper. All right, but that's it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The end on the rapid fire questions. You you scored the highest so far in my point system, <laughs> which I just make up as we go. So. Nice.
I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me today, man. Um, was, I mean, every, fun. every time we talk, every time we're together, I just, I really grow in confidence and, and, and feel better about what all of us are trying to do on the sidelines. So I, uh, on behalf of the referees, I certainly appreciate what you're doing, but on behalf of me personally, man, I appreciate your friendship. It's great for you to jump on here, dude. Thanks, Chad. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you. It's just, we have, we have a good thing going, um, with you, me, Tiff, um, just a lot of work to be done still. And just, um, you know, our part-time rules, trying to find as much, um, as much time and energy we can to get some of these things done. You know, I know it's difficult, but uh, I like where we're moving. I like where we're going. Um, so hopefully we can keep it up. So thanks. I appreciate you. Before we get out of here today, I wanted to tell you, I cannot express how much fun I'm having putting these episodes together and sharing a few laughs with you. Appreciate those of you who are sending me positive thoughts through our Twitter account and through personal text messages. Try my best to be honest here and get people on with good stories to share. I'm going to spend the next few days reaching out to some folks I think will bring positive vibes to our show. If you have topics or ideas, we have a contact page on our website, tafpodcast.com. Until next time, y'all, be good to the refs. Shout out to our friend and fellow referee Adam Carroll for That's a Foul theme music. If you like what you heard today, tell a friend where to find us and follow us on your podcast service. As always, you can find show notes and other topics covered on today's show on our website, tafpodcast.com. <laughs>